We have finally made it to the very last episode in the Teaching During the Pandemic miniseries. When I first planned this miniseries, I thought it was going to be two episodes. I bumped it up to three, but this is actually episode number five. The reason for that is when I was interviewing people, I was getting so much great information that I couldn't fit it into three episodes. In fact, this last episode is dedicated to all of the tips, all of the things that the people I interviewed threw out there that didn't necessarily fit into any of my categories, but were still really valuable tips that I wanted to share with you guys. So that's exactly what you're going to hear today. It's kind of a wrap up of the whole series, and you're going to hear a couple of extra pieces of information that might help you as you continue to adjust to this really strange school year. I actually have 11 co-hosts, but don't worry, this is still a pretty small podcast, but I'm going to let all 11 co-hosts introduce themselves now. Hi, my name is Megan Ryan. My Instagram handle is at ageappropriatesped. This is my 11th year teaching, and I work with students with autism 18 to 21 in a transition life skills classroom. Hi, I'm Erin from You Ought to Know. I teach kindergarten through second graders with autism. Hi, I'm Heather from Full Sped Ahead. I am currently teaching virtual academy in Illinois um, to self-contained life skills classrooms. Hi, I'm Kim from Little Miss Kim's class. I teach in a third to fifth grade classroom for students with mixed needs. Hi, I'm Brianna Shoulders. My Instagram handle is SpedTeacherBree, and I teach in a K-2 um, MOID classroom. Hi, my name is Jen, and I am from the handle Teach Love Autism. I teach grades 5th through ninth grade, and the type of classroom that I support is an autistic support classroom in a virtual cyber school setting. Cassie Lutenager. Uh, my Instagram is Adventures in Behavior. I teach middle school, sixth through eighth grade, functional academics. Hi, I'm Nikki from Teaching Autism. I'm currently split in two classrooms, so I work providing in-home services for autistic students who are three to seven, and that's all online this year. And I also work as part of a behavior support team in a behavior unit for autistic students between three and 18. Hi, so I'm Braylon Martin. Um, I am at That Special Educator on all social media, and I teach kindergarten through second grade self-contained. Connections with families has always been a really important part of special education classrooms, but if your students are distance learning and they're mainly in their homes with their parents and families, it's even more important to build a really strong foundation because both parties need to be actively involved to make this work. Nikki, Heather, and Erin are all going to share ways that they're helping support their parents and families in the home during distance teaching. just to incorporate a lot of movement and breaks. I quickly learned that we need a lot more 
movement breaks and brain breaks when we're online and sat behind a computer compared to in the classroom. So I will often work from a PowerPoint slideshow and I incorporate the movement breaks in there and I try and mix them up as well because I don't want my kids to get bored, especially now when we've got online learning for the entire year ahead. So I'll put in, you know, a couple of yoga moves. We also do workouts together and that's quite funny. And once a week we all turn up in our workout gear <laughs> and we have a little workout together. We also go on scavenger hunts. So I'll just say like, you know, run to the kitchen and find me something to eat, not drink. Don't choose drink because I've seen a few horror stories online of what kids have brought that their parents to drink in through lockdown and it didn't end well so things that you know they can eat and things I'll say fetch me something from the bathroom I've even done things like run outside and pick me five blades of grass and it's just to give them five minutes to run outside get some grass come back in just to get them moving but that has probably been the best thing that I've done it's also kept them active in the house to wear them out because so many parents were saying as soon as like lockdown happened their children were quite happy to sit on the sofa all day on their iPad and watching TV. They didn't want to exercise. So that's where the video challenges come in again. And we've done things like, you know, how many times can you jump in 20 seconds, video it and film it back to me? How many star jumps can you do? Can you make an obstacle course? Just little things to keep them active because I think we all know it's horrible sitting behind a computer desk all day, especially every day. So movement has probably been a huge part of why it's been so successful for us. And it's why we decided to just continue for this entire year rather than transition back to the classroom. So I'm quite happy because that means I've done something right. <laughs> if they're all agreeing that they want to carry on, but it's just easier as well because I can plan for the entire year ahead now. So I really try to make sure that parents are aware of what we are going to be learning each week the Friday before. So that if they need to grab materials, pull out certain worksheets, get the materials for cooking, um, they have the weekend to do that. Um, and that way that curriculum is available for them within a, a substantial amount of time so that they can follow through and make sure that they have what they need on their end or ask any questions. Um, and I try to give them pre-warning, like tomorrow, remember, we're going to be doing cooking. So you do need to bring your material. And then when we lead up to it that day, I'll say in two more classes, we have cooking, make sure you have these materials. And that kind of helps guide them a little bit too. Um, Cause I know parents, most parents at home aren't teachers. So being able to see where we are going to go with that day um, and that lesson, I feel like it's truly helped. I just want to say, make sure that you're including your parents in the discussion for what you are going to teach, how it needs to be taught. Um, I had a parent reach out to me today and ask that I help prompt their child to answer in a full sentence rather than just a one word. It was something I was considering, but them giving me that insight has truly helped me grow as a teacher and make sure that I really target those things if that's something that's important to the parent. I would just say to be open and honest and communicate with your families more, probably more than you ever have in the past. Um, families are struggling too. Our students, school is not at home for a lot of our students and they're very rigid and 
having to move school into their home has been hard for them. So I communicate with parents often. Um, they've seen regression in things like sensory integration. And, you know, we need to work together to figure those things out. I also, I've been open with my families and told them, please give me feedback. If it's too much, it's too much. And that's okay. I totally get it. Um, and feedback has been really important. And those relationships I'm building with families have been super valuable for both of us on both ends. If you're currently trying to do distance teaching and in-person teaching at the same time, you're basically doing the ultimate balancing act. Braylon and Megan are both in your shoes and they're going to share some tips they have about managing both sides. I would say when it comes to teaching, like, when it comes to teaching in person and it comes to teaching remotely at the same time, um, I would say like ask for help and if possible, um, be willing to ask parents for some support too um, and make sure that you have a lot of things backlogged of like asynchronous work that they can do at other times. That has been like the most helpful thing, boom cards or whatever it is that will fill gaps. Um, and I've just kind of let a lot of anxiety and stress go and just embraced it. So I think I would want to say that to people that um, don't let the anxiety or the stress of it like weigh you down because there's only so much that we can do. I think for me, when I first started teaching in-person students, blended students, remote students, it was all very daunting to think, how am I going to sign all these tasks, also meet with my remote students, also teach the kids who came to school that day who have missed school for six months. And I felt myself getting very overwhelmed. And the thing that's worked for me is to really lean on the other adults in my room. These pairs are there for a reason. The pair professionals in my classroom are amazing. So utilizing them as much as they can be utilized. They can be teaching the lesson online while I'm teaching in person. They can be teaching in person if I want to meet with the distance people online. So I've really found a good groove with working with my paraprofessionals and the other adults to make sure that all the students are getting the instruction that they need. It's definitely still overwhelming making all the extra material, but I think that really leaning on those other adults has made it manageable for me. I know how hard it must be right now to balance teaching during a pandemic. And we just really wanted this entire series to help you know that you are not alone in the challenges that you're facing, the frustrations that you're feeling, and everything that you're experiencing. Cassie, Kim, Jen, and Bree all have a couple of tips they'd like to share. Yeah, I think that the biggest thing I've learned so far is to be flexible and give yourself grace um, and know that things are going to have to change. You're going to have plan A, B, C, D, all the way to Z, because um, what you think is going to work may not. And then um, also listening to the people around you, um, you know, the paras, I've been asking them over and over, how do you feel? What is working? What isn't working? More so than I ever have in the past because this is new and different for everybody. 
and we all have to work together as a team. I have two simple tips I want to share in terms of virtual learning. The first is to make sure that you schedule plenty of breaks for students and staff. I think anybody, student or staff, will struggle to look at a screen for hours a day. So I think having breaks scheduled for moving, drinking some water, and just having a little screen break is really important. The next tip is to create ways for all students to respond to questions and prompts. This is really similar to when we're in the classroom. We don't wanna ask a question and only have one student answer it. So I think it's important for us to come up with ways, even in a virtual setting, that all students can respond. So you can do this by teaching students a variety of hand signals or by giving them response cards on popsicle sticks. In terms of other tips that I think would be helpful is just to remember that everything that we are doing is new. It's new for us, it's new for the students, it's new for the adults that may be working with students, whether it's at home or it's a service provider or some kind of instructional support. I think that we need to give each other grace and understand there's going to be a learning curve in all that we're doing to start this year, especially when it comes to virtual learning and being patient with one another and knowing that we will get through this together is just as important as getting the tasks done that we need to each and every day. So for supplemental activities, we do morning rotations. We do morning circle, morning rotations, and then an afternoon circle. It still ends in the morning time, but since it's closer to noon, we just go ahead and call it afternoon circle. This way, um, my students are not on a screen all day long. We tried that one day, it did not work. So what I did was I created like an hour of supplemental work time where I sent home, um, I used was it, Autism Helper, her emergency kit that she had put out when the pandemic had just hit. And it's like a day of math, a day of daily living skills and a day of homework. So I just kind of gently tell parents like, hey, can you pull out work from this work packet and work on this during this hour if you're able to. I also use, um, you ought to know morning work. Um, what is it? Yeah, her resource mm -hmm, for August. And I just print home some morning work to send home. They don't, I tell them not to do it in the morning because we just really, really to get our day started. But I just say, hey, you know, this is something great. Like tracing your name is what's on it and tracing shapes and just coloring within lines, very like pre-writing skills that they need to learn anyway. I tell them to pull from that. And then also I individualize, of course, all of that. But then I also send home individual like, um, worksheets or games for all the students like I have like I said I have kinder through second so for kinder I may send home like a letter matching game for first first grade I may send home like a CBC blend game or building blocks game before we go I have two final tips I wanted to throw into the podcast First, you're gonna hear from Fiona and she's gonna talk a little bit about working with students with vocational skills. And then Sophie just has a really great technology tip that she wanted to make sure everybody knew about. So kind of expanding on what we did on campus, regardless of the pandemic, um, I did go to each classroom and we would do vocation lectures. So kind of like social stories 
and then building upon that we would have depending on the class and the level we would have discussions um, in watching videos like job shadowing videos um, but since we're not able to go off campus we can't participate in you know the better activities like actually going to a job site and job shadowing or getting hands-on work experience um, or even you know I know a lot of classrooms aren't able to do hands-on tasks because of um, you know transferring any of the virus uh, so what I've been doing is I've I've made a lot of digital activities like on boom cards and digital interactive PDFs or like the drag and drop Google slides that mimic a lot of the basic skills you would do um, for sorting or if you're fulfilling like a sandwich or a coffee order or uh, giving change back just simple stuff like that uh, it might be too easy for some students but these are all great skills to practice on paper or digitally and um, beyond that we're working on voca vocation vocabulary uh, working on soft skills you know these are all things that you know you can't just jump straight into going to a job site you're gonna have to also focus on filling out a resume so your personal information and um, you can also do mock interviews over Zoom or video conferencing. So yeah, there's many different things that uh, you can do virtually to prep a student for working off campus. Uh, and you can always um, build on those skills, even though they've already been working off campus, you might as well keep practicing them. And this is actually a parent suggestion, and I feel like everyone needs to know about this. Um, but the first day, like I can see my computer, but for someone to see my screen when I'm sharing, like they're seeing and hearing a different, um, like you're not able to see and hear what they are seeing and hearing. And so the mouse that you currently have is super tiny. And so whenever you are sharing your screen and you're trying to um, get your kids to look at something, and you're like, you know, you're doing the little circling with your mouse, like over here, this is, do you see what I'm looking at? Um, it's extremely hard for them to see that, but you can change your cursor either by just going to your search bar in your own computer and type in mouse and see what settings you have on your own computer because it's different for each computer. And then um, like mine currently is, you can enlarge in it to be like super, big and hot pink. And I had like great feedback from the parents on that because the kids were able to see a little bit easier what I was referring to on the screen. There's also a Google Chrome extension called Custom Cursor for Chrome. And you can change your cursor to be a pizza, a Chick-fil-A cup, like all sorts of fun things. And so that is something to kind of, um, you know, keep it fun for the kids and they can see exactly where you're pointing with um, some of them are a little obnoxious, but it keeps it fun for them, especially if they're highly reinforced by, by uh, whatever options that they have on there. There's a ton of options. Um, and then another thing is um, for Zoom, using the annotation tool. So the first week of my virtual teaching, it was hard for, when I was sharing the screen, it was super hard for the kids to um, like look at what I was pointing again. Same thing with the, with the mouse problem. So if you use the annotation tool, you can actually 
click a circle and you can circle, um, let's say you're looking at a certain word, you can circle the word on your screen um, and then if they get it right, you can put a little heart, a little star, a little check mark, you can put a little X, um, there's little stamps on there. So definitely explore the annotation tool because um, it's just another way to offer some immediate reinforcement. Like I said, this was the fifth episode in the Teaching During the Pandemic mini-series. If you haven't listened to the other episodes, I highly suggest checking them out. They were episode number 55, 56, 57, and 58. In those episodes, we talked about distance teaching, in-person teaching, hybrid teaching. We covered a ton of questions like how to use your paraprofessionals, how to take data, how to apply accommodations, how to use AAC devices, how to deal with students who need physical support. If you have any questions like that and you're still struggling, don't worry, you are so not alone. And go listen to those episodes because you're going to get a ton of quality information that you can apply to your classroom tomorrow. I hope you've loved this series. And don't worry, I have some really fun podcasts coming. So if you just need a break and you want to hear some ideas for cooking recipes, or you want to hear a little bit more of the ABA side, which is what I do for my career now, you'll be able to hear those in upcoming episodes. But I hope you enjoyed this series. And I would greatly appreciate if you gave me a review on Apple Podcasts because that'll help me continue my podcast in the upcoming year. I hope you guys have a wonderful weekend and we'll talk again soon.